0: Good morning. It's good to see all of you here. I know that several are out of town due to the holidays, but I appreciate very much your presence here today. Um, The title of the lesson is Almost. We sing a song in our songbooks, Almost Persuaded. And uh, what I want us to think about this morning is just that, that thought, almost, but lost. There are a lot of us and a lot of people that would have the idea that if you get close enough to something, it ought to just be given to you. You know, if you're just close, then, uh, you know, that counts. But that's just not the way life works. Uh, Not where there are rules and regulations anyway. In 1989, Scott Houck was playing in the Masters Golf And uh, he had never won before, and he was all set to win. He was on the 18th hole. All he had to do was make a putt that was literally this long. Now, when we play, you know, on the weekend, those of us who just hack the ball around a little bit, we concede putts like that to each other. I mean, even weekend golfers hit putts from that distance. This is for the Masters Championship. And this professional golfer, it was a given. He would make it. But I guess you know, if you don't even know golf or don't know what happened, I guess you do know what happened. He missed. And he lost the Masters. And he never has won since. He almost was wearing that green jacket, but he lost. There was a, in the 2008 Olympic Games, there was a lady, an American by the name of Dara Torres. She was competing in the 50-meter freestyle swimming race. She was, what made her so special is that she was literally twice as old as her competitors. She was a 41 year old mother of two and she made the Olympic team. People said she could never do it, but she trained and she prepared and her times, she won the qualifying and she ended up she made the Olympic team. And now she's swimming and when the hands touched the wall, her hand touched at 1/100th one of a second behind her competitor. That's the smallest unit of victory or loss, the smallest margin there is in that swimming event. And she lost by the smallest margin possible, one one one-hundredth of a second. They didn't give her the gold medal. She stood on the platform with the silver medal because she almost finished first. But she didn't. And you see, the stories can go on and on. You probably have some almost stories where you almost did this or that, and, and bit, but you just came up just a little bit short, and you weren't able to accomplish whatever it was. I want us to look at um, a more serious issue than winning the Masters or winning an Olympic gold medal. I want to talk about salvation with you just for a little bit. And If you have your Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 19. Because there's a story of a man who was almost saved in that passage, but he went away from Jesus, still lost, still in his And I want us to see if we can learn some things from this man's life. Let's go ahead and read the story. I'm sure you're familiar with the story, but let's go ahead and read it anyway. But if you open your Bible to Matthew 19, uh, begin reading with me in verse 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And so he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's good but one, that's God. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Well, which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying... He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here's a man who came to Jesus wanting to know, what do I have to do to go to heaven? And Jesus said, well, you have to do these things. And he said, well, I've done those. What, what am I lacking anything else? And he said, well, actually, yes. You need to sell your possessions and give them to the poor and come and follow me. But he wouldn't do it. He was too in love with that money that he had. He couldn't let it loose. And because of that, he went away. There's a man who was almost bound for heaven. But he came up just a little bit short. And he lost out. He walked away from Jesus. I want to make sure that we don't end up like that man. And let's look at some things that this man did right But look at where he failed. Number one, he did right in that he came to the right person. Do you see who he came to? He came to Jesus, Matthew 19 and verse uh, 16. What must I do or what good thing shall I do to have eternal life? He asked that question of Jesus. We need to learn what this young man already knew. The answer to life's most important questions are in the person of Jesus. They are not in your preacher. They are not in your mom and dad. They are not in people that you've admired and looked up to through the years. The answers to life's most important questions are rooted in Jesus. Go to him and his words if you have answers. Don't bet and, and risk your life on the words of somebody else. Jesus is the one who has the words of life. John 14 and verse 6, we talked about this passage in Bible class this morning, but the passage says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus was speaking. And he said, no man comes to the Father except by me. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, Peter warns us that there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world and they teach destructive heresies. And they lead people astray. You see, there's not just one voice to listen to in the world. If you want to know what uh, to do to be saved, it's not like turning the the radio on and you only get one frequency, and and that being the truth. There are voices everywhere. Dissenting voices from the voice of Jesus. Whose voice will we listen to? Will we listen to Jesus or someone else? This young man at least knew he's the man I need to ask. Let's go to Jesus. And listen, if you have questions about salvation, you know where you need to go? You need to go to Jesus. You need to open up your Bible. Oh, Sure, you can talk to other people, but whatever they say, measure it against the Scriptures. If what I tell you isn't found in the Bible, don't believe what I say. If what someone else tells you, no matter how much you like them, if what they tell you cannot be verified or validated by what the Bible actually, you you read in it, don't believe it. There's too much at stake. Jesus is the authority. The Bible tells us in John 6 and verse 68, on one occasion, the disciples had a, a, a rather interesting dilemma. Jesus had said some things that they didn't understand and they were offensive because they didn't understand it. It was when Jesus said, listen, if you want to be my disciple and if you want to go to heaven, here's what you want, you're going to have to do. You're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. What? Eat your flesh, drink your blood. And when some disciples heard that, they said, I'm not following this guy anymore. And they turned and they walked away. That was a hard saying for them. But then Jesus, when he got off to his disciples that he had hand-selected, he asked them too, they said, he said, well, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to follow these, these others? Are you, you too going to walk away? Because of what I said, <clears throat> on this occasion, Peter, <clears throat> Peter spoke up. And he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Why would we leave you? You're the one who can tell us how to get to heaven, how to be saved. And so this young man at least seemed to have recognized that. He didn't go to the wrong person for answers to spiritual questions. He didn't go to his friends. He didn't go to relatives. He went to Jesus. That much is good, and he's headed in the right direction. Here's a man who wants to go to heaven, and so he goes to the source, to the man, to Jesus. Tell me, what do I have to do to go to heaven? He's on his way. Look at the second thing. He asked the right question too. There's, you know, one of the most disappointed times in my life, and I may have shared this with you before, but there was a young girl. Who had become unfaithful to uh, the Lord, and um, I finally got a hold of her one day, and we were talking, and she she said, "You know, I'm glad you called because um, I've been thinking about some things, and and uh, I want to talk to you about some real serious issues." And I was so glad because I, I thought she had just kind of walked away and gave no thought to spiritual things at all anymore. And so I spent, literally, I spent the next day, that was like a Monday, I spent all day Tuesday preparing for this meeting that I was to have with her on Wednesday morning. I imagined everything that I could think of that she might say, and I tried to work through so that I could have, you know, the proverbial answer just right off the cuff. And I had spent so much time, and she came into my office that day and and uh, I, I thanked her for coming and, and her interest in spiritual things. And, and she said, well, I'll tell you what, this is what's been bothering me. Where did Cain get his wife? I was like, what? Where did Cain get his wife? I mean, yeah, we can talk about that. But listen, you're living in sin. You've turned your back on the Lord. You're not faithful to any of your obligations. And the, the thing that you want to ask is about where Cain got his wife? Let's talk about you. Let's talk about your relationship and your commitment to Jesus. Her question was wrong. There were more pressing matters. But this man asked the right question. When he came to Jesus, he wanted to know, what must I do to have eternal life? There's no greater question that can be asked. And he asked it to the right man. And I think it's interesting that Jesus didn't say, well, first of all, let me clarify something. There's nothing you can do. You don't have anything to do with it. It's all me. You see, some people would answer that way or would think that that's how he should answer. There are things that we must do to be saved. That doesn't mean we merit it. It doesn't mean we earn it. No one earns their salvation or merits their salvation, but there are things that we have to do in response to God's free gift. And so Jesus doesn't correct him for his question in that he said, what good things must I do? He didn't say, well, there's nothing that you can do. He acknowledged there are some things you can do. And he said, well, you know, and he started listing off the commandments and those were you know, a a representation of the Ten Commandments. He didn't go through through all ten of them, but he gave several down, for example. And the young man said, well, I've, I've kept those ever since I was a youth. Am I still? Is there anything else? Because I want to go to heaven. I want to be saved. I want to have eternal life. And I've come to you and I'm asking you, what must I do? And you've told me to keep these commandments. And I've done those commandments. I keep those commandments. Been doing those ever since I was a kid. But what else? Is there anything else? See, this guy, has, he's on his way to salvation. I mean, he comes to Jesus. He comes with the right question. He comes, apparently, with the motivation to even investigate more and follow up with the... He didn't just stick with what Jesus said. He said, yeah, I, I hear you, but is there... Anything more can you expound? What a mind. What a way to approach Scripture. What a way to approach and look at, um, honestly look at what God wants of us. This guy is headed in the right direction. And also notice this too. He received the right answer. If you look at what Jesus told him in Matthew 19, he gives him, He says, you know, keep the Ten Commandments. They, they were living under the old law. That's what they were supposed to be doing. And so he told them, live under the law you've been given. And he said, well, I've, I've done that. But that's when Jesus says, there's a little bit more that you have to do. Sell all that you have and give to the poor. Why did he tell them that? Does that mean we have to sell everything we have? give it away does it take a poor person to be a christian that's not what jesus is saying jesus tells this rich young ruler to sell what he has and give it away because jesus sees his heart and that's apparent that when he turns down salvation to keep a hold of his money that jesus asked him to do just the right thing jesus can look at our heart you know There may be in in some of us, if we were to ask the Lord today, what must I do to be saved? If He looked into our hearts, He might say, well, you need to obey the gospel and you need to quit your job. You need to obey the gospel and you need to sell that house you have. You need to obey the gospel and and you need to um, get rid of your television or your computer or, you know, you see, if we could not answer, okay, I'll do that. If we can't answer that to any of the questions that Jesus would ask of us, then we're not, then those are the very things we need to do. If I love anything more than Jesus, then that thing has become a problem and I need to get rid of it. Jesus saw this rich young ruler and, and he comes and he's a moral good man but Jesus can see, boy, you've got an issue with money. You love that money just too much. Uh, let me put you to the test. Get, get rid of your money and come follow me. He wouldn't do it. But that was the right answer. You know, one of the saddest verses in the Bible, I think, from my study, is 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 18. There's one little phrase in there. There's a young man. The prophet of God from Judah asked to go up to Israel and they were divided and speak out against the prophets, the priests, the false gods that they were worshiping in Dan and Bethel. And he did. He, he went and it was a risky thing. And he stood there and he called them out and he told them that they were sinners and he told them of the judgment of God that was going to come upon them. And, and he left. But here's the thing. God told this young man, don't stop on your journey. Come straight home. He had done so well. He was so courageous. He was so bold. He got done what God wanted done. And as he starts on his way home, a prophet says, hey, come to my house and, and spend some time with me. I'm impressed. Wow. I, I mean, I heard what you did up there. And uh, I'd like to talk to you more. Come to my house. And he says, well, I'm supposed to go straight home. And the prophet said, oh, no, 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 no. God told me to tell you that it's okay to come to my house. But in that passage, it says, but he lied to him. And this young prophet listened to the lie instead of listening to God. Oh, now I can see how he was deceived, and I'm sure you can too. But he should have stuck with what God told him. He believed a lie, and because of that lie, he was almost a prophet that goes down in history as one of the greatest prophets. But because of that sin, he was killed that day. God punished him in that fashion. A lion actually uh, killed him on his way back home. But there are a lot of answers out there. What must I do to be saved? Think of all the answers you get to that question. This man got the right answer. And you would think, all right, here's a man that wants to go to heaven. He's a good moral man. He seeks out the authority on the issue. Jesus himself, he didn't rely on what other men had told him. He went to the source itself. And he gets the right answer. This man's going to be saved. No. Because at the end, you'll see in verses 22 through 26, he made the wrong decision. When Jesus told him he had to sell all that he had and give to the poor, he wasn't willing to do it. Being a disciple of Jesus, if it meant that I had to be poor, I can't do that. What, 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 is there anything that you would have to turn your back on Jesus if following Jesus meant... What if following Jesus meant you can't live in a really nice house? Would you still be a follower of Jesus? What if following Jesus meant that uh, you wouldn't be in a social class that you're in now, that you would be an outcast? Always a fifth wheel. Would you follow Jesus? What if being a follower of Jesus meant that um, you couldn't have a good paying job, that you would always be at the bottom and not have very much wealth? Would you follow Jesus? You see, all those kind of questions. If we can't say, yeah, I'd follow him. If any of those things mean more to me than discipleship, then I have a problem with idolatry. I love something more than God, more than Jesus. And that's what this man's problem was. And he walked away sad. We see him running to Jesus, and we see him walking away with a sad countenance. He was a good man. He asked the right questions, went to the right source, had good intentions. He was almost saved, but he was lost. And what I want us to think about this morning is, could we be like this rich young ruler? If Jesus came back today... Would we be forever in eternity saying, I almost was saved? I almost escaped this hell. I went to church. I owned a Bible. My parents were good people and they taught me to love Jesus. And, and there was a church right down the road. I had friends. I, I heard the invitation and I almost responded. but I didn't. See, God's not going to take those who are in that almost category and say, you know, since you almost obeyed, I'm just going to treat you as if you did. It doesn't work that way. Scott Hope doesn't, uh, doesn't have a green jacket, even though he almost won. Uh, Dara Torres doesn't have a gold medal, even though she almost won. Those things are saved for those who finished and accomplished what they set out to, to do. And salvation today is not given to those who almost Obeyed the gospel; it's given to those who did. We sing a song in our songbooks, and I just want to read the words, and I want you to think about these words. Darren is going to lead us in a song of encouragement in just a minute. But as we think about this, it's not just a ritual; we're singing to each other. We're trying to encourage one another. We're trying to teach one another. The words that we're saying are words by which we teach one another and remind one another of certain truths. And we sing a song in our songbooks books that goes like this, almost persuaded now to believe, almost persuaded Christ to receive, seems now some soul to say, go spirit, go thy way, some more convenient day on thee I'll call, almost persuaded come, come today, Almost persuaded, turn not away. Jesus invites you here. Angels are lingering near. Prayers rise from hearts so dear. O wanderer, come. Almost persuaded, harvest is past. Almost persuaded, doom comes at last. Almost cannot avail. Almost is but to fail. Sad, sad, that bitter wail. Almost, but lost. Let's let that not be our final wail. When the Lord comes, may we not be those among those who are saying, almost, if you need to respond to the gospel of Christ, why don't you do that this morning? If you're not yet a Christian, if you don't believe, or if you do believe in Jesus, but you've never turned from your sin and made a commitment to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Why don't you do that this morning? Don't stand in the judgment and say, oh man, I almost accepted Jesus and I almost got baptized for the forgiveness of my sins. If you need to do it, do it. Have that kind of commitment, integrity. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and there are things in your life that you need to make right, don't stand in the day of judgment and say, oh, I almost, You know, if I would have just slipped out and walked down that aisle and confessed my sins and told people that I am sorry and I want to do right and and ask God to forgive me, but I didn't. Almost. Well, here's your chance. I don't know how long we have. I don't know how long the Lord will delay in His coming, but there is a day when He will come And the choices we make at times like this, whether we're going to obey when there's a convenient opportunity to do so, those will live to haunt some folks who were almost persuaded. If you need to come, won't you come as we stand together and sing?